Tonight we're going to look at a, a probably an obscure passage of scripture to most of you and uh, try to find some practical implications in it. And there are some practical implications. I'm going to show you eight of those. Uh, they won't last as long as it sounds when I make a list that you, you hear eight. You think, oh my goodness. Uh, but let's read the scripture from Numbers chapter 17. We've just been in Numbers and we, we talked about Moses and his leadership and we're talking about church leaders tonight, leaders in the church, choosing leaders. But the message, the thrust of the message is it is the Lord who reveals his leader. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and get 12 staffs from them one from each of the leaders of ancestral tribes. Write the name of each man on his staff. On the staff of Levi, write Aaron's name. For there must be one staff for the head of each ancestral tribe. Place them in the tent of meeting in front of the Ark of the Covenant Law, where I meet with you. The staff belonging to the man I choose will sprout, and I will rid myself of this constant grumbling against you by the Israelites. So Moses spoke to the Israelites, and their leaders gave him twelve staffs, one for each leader of each of their ancestral tribes, and Aaron's staff was among them. Moses placed the staffs before the Lord in the tent of the covenant law. The next day Moses entered the tent and saw that Aaron's staff, which represented the tribe of Levi, had not only sprouted, but had budded, blossomed, and produced almonds. Then Moses brought out all the staffs from the Lord's presence to the Israelites. They looked at them, and each of the leaders took his own staff. The Lord said to Moses, Put back Aaron's staff in front of the Ark of the Covenant Law to be kept as a sign to the rebellious. This will put an end to their grumbling against me, so they will not die. Moses did just as the Lord commanded him. The Israelites said to Moses, We will die. We are lost. We are all lost. Anyone who comes Near the tabernacle of the Lord will die. Are we all going to die? Now, what I want to show you is that this chapter is just another lesson in leadership. Specifically, it was to teach God's people that leadership is designated by God. That's Old Testament teaching. It's also New Testament teaching. From this passage, I want to outline some principles about choosing leaders and I share this with you because as I've said to you before we're going to talk through this summer about choosing deacons we didn't do that last year because of COVID so this will be the first time in the history of the church that we've skipped a year actually it's been two years since you've done anything like that so I'm not I'm not at all sure we recognize uh, the importance of God appointed God anointed leaders for our church. We see it in the Bible and we know it's important there, but the outworking of that practically is a mystery to us. Well, I hope to alleviate some of that by just showing you these eight things from this passage of scripture. Very simple. Number one, there is a tendency in the lives of God's people to have a conflict over the role of leader. Last week we saw that in the rebellion of Korah, but it didn't stop with him. There was always somebody who wanted to be appointed leader of God's people or wanted to remove Moses or Aaron from leadership. And I'm sure you have seen moments in the life of your church or some church where the, where the issue of leadership became a popularity contest or a beauty contest and lost all semblance of having to do with anything spiritual. 
we see that that was a problem not only in this congregation in the wilderness, but it was also a problem in the church at Corinth. They had that same issue. So when leadership is about power or prestige or popularity, it ceases to be about God's vision and God's mission. God appointed leaders, God appointed leaders have no desire to lead people. They have only a desire or should have only a desire to follow God. Number two, there is a need among God's, uh, God's people to have a clear perspective of the role of leader. I think I've told you that in my last church, the members looked at the deacons as their elected representatives. Probably the reason for that was we had a deacon family ministry plan, and every year the, the, the church membership was divided up and handed out to deacons. They wrote those people a letter and said, if you have a need, contact me, and on and on it went. But the people began to get the idea that they could lobby those men concerning the direction of the church. Let me tell you some things that you may not know about deacons. Well, probably the majority of you are going to know it because you've had some pretty close dealings with deacons because you're good church folks. But some of you may not know. Let me tell you something about deacons. First, you don't know how many things they know that you don't know because it's better for you not to know them. They handle things you don't know anything about, and they save the church a lot of grief. Brother John, would you say that's true? Brother Ben, would you say that's true? I would say that. They can call some if they're not careful uh, and if they're not confidential about their, their leadership, but they can steer the church clear of some grief if they will commit themselves to following God as a group and not following the opinion of one or two members or one or two, one or two deacons. They must know the mind and heart of God and follow, follow the mind and heart of God even when it is difficult. They need to be men like Stephen of old, men who are full of the Spirit and full of wisdom and full of faith. They are spiritual leaders. A man who cannot be a spiritual leader should not be a deacon under any circumstances. The leaders God chose in the Bible were spiritual leaders, and the moment they became something else, it brought great trouble into the lives of God's people. Now, in the Bible, pastors and deacons have specific roles outlined in Scripture, and the Bible is, as we say as Baptists, our only rule of faith and practice, and if this ought to be true anywhere, it's in the pastor-deacon relationship. Pastors and deacons are, are like Moses and Aaron, partners in ministry. They serve alongside each other. It's not a top-down relationship from either direction, and the best leader will always remember that the highest rung on the ladder of leadership is the one at the bottom. Number three, God is the one who chooses, appoints, and anoints leaders, anoints leaders among his people. You don't choose leaders. And that's a great mistake in thinking that we do. You are, and you see it here, you are to affirm the one God has chosen, appointed, and anointing. This is the lesson God's people were learning in the wilderness. They were not, they were not following 
Moses or Aaron. They were following God. They were following God who, is, who was expressing his leadership through these men he appointed as leaders. The congregation can have confidence in men that they sense are chosen by God. There ought to be a clear sense of God's providential leadership uh, in any man who takes a position of leadership in this church. You should sense he is God's man. You should sense that he is God's man in the church. You should sense that he is God's man outside the church. You should understand and and desire for him to follow the will and ways of God to the best of his ability. Uh, And you shouldn't choose someone just because you want to, but you choose someone because you sense that God is at work in that person's life. Number four, clarity concerning God's choice as a leader comes from spending time with God. How are we going to know? If we don't choose them and God is the one who chooses them, how are we going to know? Well, that's part of the problem, and I'll show you that. Uh, how do you make your decision? Well, I've been appalled down through the years, and I know other pastors who are here tonight have as well, at some of the people I have seen nominated for deacon in the Baptist church. And it, it makes me realize that the people marking the list or writing down the name or in one church, we, they raised their hand and nominated them from the floor. And the day they nominated one man from the floor, that was in their constitution, Brother Doug, is the day I said to them, you can never let this happen again. You can never let a man like that be nominated from the floor of this church again. You've got to change the way of doing it. And they did change it because they were quite embarrassed. People like that have no business voting in a church business meeting or in a deacon election. You know how deacon elections worked? Usually, the highest number of votes is, is, is one of the candidates, but these votes can get pretty spread out. I was a pastor of a 1,000-member church, over a 1,000 members, and 25 votes would get you elected as deacon. And that's scary, especially when the spiritual future of the church was at stake. And thankfully, again, that's where deacons serve as good leaders because they'll sit in a group like that and they'll look around and they'll say, This man's got the votes, but he doesn't have the life for it. And it's just better that we move on. And it's a good thing there's some screening because it's always clear that God's people sometimes aren't very good at choosing leaders. You think they would have chose Moses and Aaron? No, they didn't want Moses and Aaron, but those were the men that God wanted. Perhaps you've read the story, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, of the choice of Abimelech, as leader in the book of Judges. It was a terrible, terrible mistake. It was an awful mistake for the people of God, but they chose him. They had 70 sons of Gideon that they could have chosen. They didn't choose one of them. They chose Abimelech. Listen to why they chose him. And Abimelech, the son of Jerubbabel, he was one of the sons of Gideon, by the way, went to Shechem to his mother's relatives And spoke to them and to the whole clan of the household of his mother's father, saying, Speak now in the hearing of all the leaders of Shechem, which is better for you, that seventy men, all the sons of Jerubbabel or Gideon, rule over you, or that one man rule over you? Also, remember, we're kin. I'm your bone and flesh. And his mother's relatives spoke all these words in his behalf in the hearing of all the leaders of Shechem. And they were inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said... 
He is our relative, and that's why they picked him. If you let family relationships make up your mind, rather than the leadership of God's Spirit, you will find it to be a disaster for your church. You need to pray for God to lead you so that God's leader will always be in place, whether he's the pastor or the deacon or anyone else who's a leader in the church and not your leader. When uh, in 2001, September the 11th, 2001, that day, you remember that day, that was the day a new minister of music was moving onto the field at First Baptist Church, Hamilton, Alabama. We had spent about a year searching for a minister of music, and I got a man's resume. He had a stack of them about this high. And I saw his resume, and I looked at it, and I saw a name on it, and I put that thing on the bottom. I put it right on the bottom of the palace. We'll never call that guy. I don't want him. I, I see that name. I don't want him. Well, we went through those resumes, and they began to dwindle down, dwindle down. I had a little stack about this high. The committee was working, doing this, but I kept his name on the bottom. We don't need to look at him. Well, I want you to know, when it was all said and done, that's who we called because that was God's man. That was God's man, and he turned out to be the best choice. I almost threw his resume away, and that's the guy I talk about. That's Bruce, uh, who was mentored by the same guy that Doug was mentored by. Number five, the decision as to who serves as leader should be left up to God. And so you see this in this story. They were to bring 12 sticks, 12 staffs of men, and lay them before the Lord. They were to leave the decision to God. He was going to reveal who was his leader. You do not decide the direction of your church. It's left to God, and you lay matters before the Lord. You say, Lord, you show us. And that takes some courage sometimes. I guess it doesn't take courage. It takes faith. You want the Lord to be the one leading your church. Number six, God God must be trusted to identify the one leader among many. You'll find that's often the case. For instance, when a search committee is searching for a pastor or a staff member, they may have 50 or more resumes, and some of them, Some of them will be beautifully printed and embellished with some of the most wonderful accomplishments, apparently. But all of that means nothing because you won't be looking for qualifications on paper. You're looking for God's man. Now, I understand that when I got called to Agricola, I was also the last choice. But that never bothered me much because I felt like I was God's choice and that I was where God wanted me to be, just like I feel like I'm where God wants me to be here. Don't trust what's printed on paper. You you need to allow God to speak in the middle of that decision-making process, and God will make his leader known. How that happens with resumes and stuff like that, I don't know, but it's like the one that was on bottom that I was telling you about Bruce's, my friend Bruce's, that uh, I, I wouldn't have had anything to do with him under any circumstances based on the paper. But it wasn't about the paper. It was about God's leadership and God's choice. He will make his leader known. That happens also when a church calls a pastor. It happens when a church chooses deacons. Anytime you choose leaders, you need to be praying that God will make it evident the one he has chosen. Here is why. Number seven. When God's, there's nine of these, by the way, excuse me. When God's guidance is clear, it brings an end to conflict over leadership. 
You see in this story, there was a corporate sense of oughtness about God's choice. Moses just brought out the sticks. He said, look at here. Here's yours, and 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 here's Aaron's. And it has, it has budded, blossomed, and bore almonds. Can you tell me, is this not a sign from God that this is the man that he's chosen? They couldn't say anything. God made it clear. When it's clear and everybody knows it, there's a sense of oughtness in the church. There's a sense of peace among the members. And they have a sense that these men are taking us in the direction that God wants us to go. That is so important as you choose men who serve as deacons. Number eight, a God-appointed leader will cause God's work to blossom and flourish. Not just the staff in his hand, but God will use that person to cause his work to blossom and flourish. And so... Whatever happened to Aaron's stick, budding and blossoming and producing almonds, was that an indication of something that Aaron could do? Oh, no, it wasn't about Aaron. But it was an indication of something God could do and only God could do and what God intended to do through his ministry. When God's people follow God's leadership and place God-appointed leaders in positions of service, God's ministry will bloom and flourish. Otherwise, it'll dry up and die. Finally, number nine, God's people should celebrate God's leadership in revealing his leader and memorialize that moment as a spiritual marker in their history. I tell you, I've tried to do that down through the years. Uh, I've tried to show people, I've tried to say, look, this is how God worked. You see what God did here? You see how God made it clear? But sometimes we, we don't have our spiritual wires straight. And we need to really look for that when we see, even in a Sunday school, let's just say we lose a Sunday school teacher. We don't know why we lost a Sunday school. Let's say the guy got a job and moved to Alaska and we lost a Sunday school teacher. Let me tell you about losing a youth director. I don't think I've ever told you this story. The guy I told you about, I think I told you the other night, he, he resigned, came and walked into my office on Wednesday and resigned and walked out the door that Wednesday, and I was crushed. That very Wednesday night, we had Wednesday night suppers, and I was standing in the Wednesday night supper line, and somebody brought up to me, and they didn't even know what had happened. I mean, they, really and truly, nobody knew this had happened, but just a few of us. They brought up to me this young couple who had just moved to our community. He'd moved there to be a project manager at the paper mill. We had Macmillan Blodell paper mill just out of town. And his wife, or his soon-to-be wife, they were moving to our community. And both of them had been student ministers in their churches. And the Lord filled the role immediately. He knew, like, he knew it was going to happen. And somebody stepped into that leadership role and they did an outstanding job. That's a spiritual marker. That's God at work in ways that you could never plan and you could never dream. You can't make that stuff up. And so that's what you want to see in the life of your church. You want to see God working so clearly that you can celebrate that, that you can, 
you can rehearse that over and over. You can tell, like I tell my stories over and over. I don't mind telling them because to me they're spiritual markers. And you ought to have some like that in your church. Stories that you can tell about how God worked. How God worked to plant a pastor in your church. Or how God worked to plant this staff member or that staff member or this deacon or that deacon in your church. And You know, I've had some deacons that have moved into my church from other communities. And God put them in the church and the church decided to elect them. And, oh, it was a divine appointment because they saved the church on occasion. Save the church. I had one of those deacons say he was a surgeon. He was a surgeon. And on one occasion, we had some people come to the deacons meeting, sent word, and they said, we will no longer give money to the church unless you do what we ask you to do. Unless you begin to move this church in the direction we want it to go, we will withhold our offerings. And, uh, I could see some of the men getting sheepish, Brother John Henry. I could see them beginning to tug at their collar because they knew where that was coming from. Pretty powerful folks. And the surgeon said, God's work will not be blackmailed. We will follow God. And that one voice that night turned the tide in the life of that church and helped them move forward. God planted that man in our church for such a time as that. He gave good and godly leadership, and he was a good and godly surgeon. So that's what we want to see in our church. Men, leaders, whoever they are, called by God, chosen by God, causing God's work to blossom and flourish so that our children have stories to tell and we have stories to tell in the future about what we saw God do. Let me pray with you.